Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's December 24th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Given that we're just hours away from Christmas and just completed Hanukkah, I think it's a great time to talk about our spiritual selves, our higher selves, our better angels. And to do that, I'd like to start with two quotes that I read this week. One is from Phil Jackson, who is a former NBA player. He played for the Knicks basketball team, and I believe he went on to coach the Knicks as well. And the quote is, the strength of each individual is the team, and the strength of the team is each individual. The second quote is by Neil Ferguson. Ferguson is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford. He's also a visiting professor at the London School of Economics, and he writes a column for Bloomberg Opinion. And here's the quote from Ferguson. Like the people of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, we are almost entirely consumed by the pleasures and preoccupations of this world. One of the many symptoms of our spiritual bankruptcy is the epidemic of mental illness sweeping the English-speaking world. So both of these quotes have led me to want to talk to you about mental illness and in particular its relationship to personal responsibility. Because those of you who listen to me regularly know that personal responsibility is a big theme for me throughout almost all my episodes in one way or another. They all come down to how we all are responsible for our lives and the lives of the people with whom we interact with to the extent that we set up our relationships with them by nature of how much personal responsibility we take for our own thoughts, words, and actions. Mental illness is as a blanket statement, I guess I would say, self-destructive. When you are mentally ill, you will inevitably destroy yourself because you behave in irrational ways that you think are rational. And that happens because when you're mentally ill, you lose the ability to reason. And I know this because, as I've spoken about on prior episodes, I have fought depression my entire life and in my early 20s attempted suicide. I remember to this day vividly the moment I decided to commit suicide, the moment I decided to take an overdose of prescription medication that I have. And I share a little bit of this story with you because it particularly pertains to this entire episode. The evening that I decided to take the pills, the overdose, was that I was visiting a friend of mine who had just got accepted to law school. And at the time, I was recently separated. I got married at 23 and separated at age 24, almost 24. And she had just been accepted to law school. And her life looked all bright and her future was 
you know, in front of her, she was excited. And I had gone through a year of college, dropped out, gotten married, got divorced, all by the age of 24. And I felt like my life was over. I didn't see a future for myself. And so I was at her home celebrating with her and her family at her acceptance to law school. And the longer the night went on, the more unhappy I got inside, not externally. Externally, I seemed fine, but I was more and more depressed thinking about my own life. And then I had a thought. And the thought I had was, if I leave here and I go home and I take all those pills that are in the medicine cabinet, I don't have to experience this pain anymore because I had several antidepressants that had been prescribed by my physician. And I left her home, and I remember that the moment I had that thought, I no longer felt depressed. I actually felt elated. And the whole drive home, and until I took those pills, and I did take them, and I did almost die, the end of this story isn't really all that relevant for the rest of this podcast, I've gone into it elsewhere, But the moment I got home, until the moment I took those pills, I was happy. I was not thinking rationally, because mental illness does that to you. It makes you distort reality. It reverses everything. It certainly, if it doesn't reverse it, it distorts it. So this week I was reading a column called JustTheFacts.com. I'm sorry, a website called JustTheFacts.com. And it was an article on mental illness in this country, particularly the overdose rate, the overdose by legal and illegal drugs. That rate, that death by overdose, has quintupled over the past decade in this country. 33 per 100,000 is the overdose rate. Now, according to the CDC, in the 12 months that ended in June of 2023, 111,877 people died of overdoses, right? Over 100,000 people died of overdoses in the last 12 months that ended in June of 23. Let me just give you the breakdown on that as per just the news. 92% of those were accidental. 92% were accidental. 4% were suicides. Less than 1% were homicides. 84% of those involved illegal drugs like like fentanyl and heroin and cocaine and meth. 23% involved prescription drugs like codeine or hydrocodone or tramadol, amphetamines, whatever. Males are two times as likely to overdose as females. And the average age for overdosing is 43. But the average lifespan is 77. So we're losing the average overdose individual at age 43. And that's just the average. Of course, there's younger and there's older. So Just the Facts, that website, engaged a licensed actuary and a PhD mathematician to calculate the average lifetime odds of dying of an overdose. Based on current statistics and the growth in the rate of overdosing in this country, one in every 39 Americans will die of a drug overdose going forward. 
So if you compare that with the statistics I gave you above, think of it this way. One in 42, one in 42 people will die from an accidental overdose. One in 937 will die from a suicide overdose. One in 46 will die from an illegal drug overdose. One in 171 from prescription drug overdose. One in 29 for males and one in 64 for females. So let me go back to mental illness versus mental health. There is a difference between inner strength, having the internal fortitude to stand in your own ground, to think your own thoughts, to make up your own mind, to think critically. There is a difference between inner strength and a kind of insane certainty that we see going on around us culturally. So let me try to make the distinction. Where do you get inner strength? Where do you get that ability to stand in your own ground and to critically think through facts in order to come to your own conclusions? Well, you get inner strength from truth, from not living lies. I think Tucker Carlson recently gave a speech. I forget where. I watched it. And he went into, with great depth, his belief that the more you tell the truth, the more you live in the truth, the stronger you get. And that it's a visceral feeling. You actually can feel your own strength building, inner strength, and your ability to withstand external influences that may not be in your highest and best interest. I understand this because if I refer back to my attempted suicide, I remember leading up to that event my life leading up to that event. I remember as a teenager and young adult in my early 20s, I was driven by a whole lot of should-bes, I call them. Should-bes. The daughter I should be, the sister I should be, the friend I should be, the student I should be, the citizen I should be. I was dying from my should-bes. But conformity isn't new. Wanting to belong isn't new. That's why we do those things. That's why we conform. That's why we have those shoulds. We want to belong. There's nothing wrong in that. What becomes wrong in that is when it is all that you live by, not by internal drives, but by external influences. So like I said, wanting to belong isn't new. Conformity isn't new. The new part is the harmful effects of the mental contagions that are now affecting young people. You know, when I was growing up, I had conformity. I went to a suburban high school, and I remember way back, there was a fashion conformity. If you were semi-affluent and you could afford to, you shopped at Ladybug, it was called. It was a store that handled a certain kind of fashion. And all the girls in my, quote, clique, all of us whose families were affluent and could afford to shop in Ladybug, we all dressed the same in school. You could identify who we were. It was almost a uniform, but it was a costly and fashionably in kind of uniform. There's nothing new about wanting to belong, but we have this problem now. And the problem 
perhaps is best exemplified by a recent poll that was taken regarding 18 to 29-year-olds. The poll shows that that age group, 18 to 29, has shifted 16 points since June toward Trump away from Biden. 16 points. It's a huge shift in that age bracket. But the only intervening event of any significance since June was the invasion of Gaza by Israel. Now, these young people who are college age, and we've seen those protests and those riots and those rallies across campuses in this country, they are not thinking for themselves. They are influenced by a multitude of factors, both NGOs that have been financed privately as well as by our government, NGOs that are pro-Palestinian, They have been influenced by academia within their own institutions because, as I've gone into great detail in prior podcasts, the Arab world has made tremendous contributions to all of the Ivy League and better universities in this country since the 1970s in order to manipulate and influence curriculum and in order to push a pro-Arab slash pro-Palestinian agenda. These kids are not thinking for themselves. They have been and continue to be useful idiots. They are uninformed. They are misinformed. They are disinformed. They are brainwashed because polling actually shows that that age group thinks Israel invaded Gaza as the triggering event. They don't know or think about October 7th when Hamas, the terrorist group, committed the savage carnage that they did by invading Israel and killing innocent men, women, and children, and butchering and beheading and torturing as they did. These students believe that it was Israel as the triggering event. Why? Because they are a TikTok-watching, influenced group of young people. It's TikTok trash talk which is manipulated by China. So you have these influences, you have NGOs, you have the Arab world contributing to universities, you have TikTok manipulated by China, all for a reason. And the reason is to brainwash young people so that they don't think for themselves. And what is it doing? Well, along with other cultural shifts like the insanity of how many genders are there now? In defiance of science, how many genders are there? How much press and priority is the LGBTQ plus one IA? I don't even know how many letters are now in the extension communities getting when they are a fraction of the population. What's happening on climate change and the distortions around what harms the environment and what doesn't, meaning Carbon-based fuels are bad, but batteries are good, when in fact the production of batteries do more harm to the environment than carbon-based fuels. I mean, I could go on and on and on. My point is this. You create mental illness in people who are not able to think for themselves, who are manipulated and swayed and influenced like the wind by external influences. You cannot be personally responsible if you're not mentally healthy. And you can't be mentally healthy if you're not grounded in truth. 
And you can't be grounded in truth if you allow yourself to be conditioned by external manipulation. And you can't be personally responsible unless you're willing to think for yourself. Let me close with this. Because we just finished Hanukkah, and because it's Christmas Eve, and because we are so focused on shopping and present buying, and a lack of focus on the spiritual message of these holidays, on our better selves, on our higher angels, let me just share with you something from Jewish mysticism, from Kabbalah. Kabbalah is, in fact, Jewish mysticism, and it is based on the Zohar. The Zohar is a spiritual metaphysical book in Judaism that I guess most simply explained would be described as the Zohar explains the why behind the stories in the Bible. The Zohar is the more esoteric meaning behind everything. The Zohar teaches about ancient Egypt. It's called Mitzrayim in Hebrew. Egypt is called Mitzrayim. That's the word for Egypt. But what does Mitzrayim mean? Well, it means siege and distress. Siege comes from the word sur, which means to bind or besiege. And distress comes from the verb sarar, which means to bind. Mitzrayim in the Zohar is explained as a level of consciousness where we are attached to material things primarily, if not exclusively. We are bound to the material world, and that enslaves us. And so you can see that in the burial rites of Egyptians, right? In ancient Egypt, they wanted to take everything, their furniture, their money, their gold, their jewels, their cats. They wanted to take everything with them when they died. So they were buried with all that stuff. In Kabbalah, it's taught that there are 50 levels of consciousness and that the Israelites, the ancient Israelites living in Egypt, enslaved to Pharaoh, were themselves at the 49th level of consciousness. What does that mean? Well, when you hit the 50th level of consciousness, according to Kabbalah, according to Zohar, there is no redeeming you from that. You basically have the consciousness of a rock at the 50th level. And the Israelites, because they had become comfortable enslaved to Pharaoh, right? Their food was provided for, their basic needs were provided for, even though they were enslaved. So they had become comfortable in their enslavement. Because they were at the 49th level, they had to be taken out quickly from that level of consciousness before they reached that 50th level. They had to be extracted. They had to be removed from the dependence on materiality and a cultural hierarchy that was only able to be perpetuated through the enslavement of the general population. Sound familiar? A dependence on materiality and a cultural hierarchy that was only able to be perpetuated through enslavement of the general population. So I'm going to take one issue 
with Ferguson's quote that I read you at the opening of this podcast about our present time being most like 2,000 years ago. I disagree with him. The Israelites' exodus from Egypt, the taking out of that consciousness from enslavement, was actually between the 12th and 13th centuries BCE, before the Common Era, BC, as you commonly know in the Christian calendar. 1,300 years before the birth of Jesus, 1,300 years before Ferguson thinks that we resemble the time of Jesus' birth, I think we're a lot closer to ancient Egypt than we are to any other time. We are bound to materiality. We are enslaved to the technology. We are enslaved to government. We are enslaved to the financial burdens that we all must carry in order to survive from day to day. We are bound to all things material. We are addicted to our phones and our iPads and our computers, and we've lost our spiritual way. But we're spiritual beings having a material experience. So what do we need to do? We need to self-impose an exodus. And it's up to each one of us to take personal responsibility for it in our own lives. And you can only do that by being personally responsible, by being mentally well, by thinking for yourself, and by understanding that our greatest challenge will be not unlike the challenge that will take place in Gaza after the Israelis are through cleaning out Hamas. And I say this for the following reason. The challenge will be that one or two generations in Gaza among the Palestinian population, has been manipulated and enslaved to a culture of violence. There are photographs, even recently, posted on X by Mossad and by the IDF of six- and seven-year-old Palestinian children wearing all of the garb of Hamas and holding automatic weapons in their hands with their parents' arms around them. One to two generations have been enslaved to a culture of violence and hatred and bigotry. I say that we will have a similar challenge here in that one to two generations in this country have been enslaved to misinformation, disinformation, manipulation, and the result being mental illness. It's why the statistics are so high And it's why it's up to those of us who remember a different world, a different culture, and are more attached to our higher selves, to our better angels, to try to turn this around. As I said, it's up to each one of us. We need an exodus from materiality. We need an exodus from bondage. We need an exodus from enslavement. It doesn't matter where in human history it has occurred. It repeats itself when we lose our way from our higher selves and find ourselves entrenched in all things material. What a great moment as Hanukkah ended 
and Christmas begins for us to reflect on all of this. And as New Year approaches, make that resolution that we actually keep to create a better world in 2024 and to not allow ourselves to be externally manipulated by those who would keep us enslaved. Merry Christmas. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.